0: another edition of old school guns the podcast that tells you exactly like it is and uh, we've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about today if you have any questions or comments as always you can leave them uh, on the comments section of podbean which is our primary platform that we make this podcast on or you can email them to me at kbmakel at aol.com. That is kbmakel at aol.com. Hey, first thing we're going to talk about is uh, there's there have been a couple of big things in the gun news. But before we before we head to that, uh, you know, this is not the first economic upheaval that uh, most of us have lived through and and the question we have to ask ourselves is are we in a recession and are we heading towards a depression and I think that the answer to both of those is yes and maybe um, you know clearly we're in a recession right now I mean and, and you know recession can mean different things to different people and I know they have these metrics and everything but You know, when you have inflation like this, you are in a recession. You can't be in anything else. Everything you have is becoming more expensive and everything you have to buy and everything you own is essentially becoming worthless. (laughs) You know, so, um, you know, the money you have, if you have, just throw out a number, if you have $10,000 in the bank, well, guess what? That's going to be over the last year that's been eaten away by about eight percent that's just what it is it's worth eight percent less your money is worth less and so you know a lot of people are, are going around going wow my house is really appreciating right now no it's not it's just reflecting the inflation that's all it's doing you know uh, but you're gonna have to pay more in property taxes and all this other stuff um it's it's ridiculous it is absolutely ridiculous. And this was all broad this was all preventable. It's been brought on by the most incompetent chief executive that the United States has ever had. Um, frankly, we have somebody who just has no, no cognitive <laughs> action above his above his chin in charge. And I mean you've seen the things. They have to write little cards, cue cards for him to go in and sit down and what to say and you know, this is very this is very frightening. This is the worst this is the worst we've ever seen it. The vacuum and the poor quality of national leadership just across the board. I mean, it used to be we could trust our military leadership, but look at those two fools, the Secretary of Defense and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is neither of them are up up to the job. Neither of them can do it, and Afghanistan is witness. Their woke agenda in the military, their relaxation of standards, their inability to make good decisions, um, the weird decisions they're making regarding force structure, like the Marine Corps doesn't have tanks anymore because they're getting ready to <laughs> to fight China, Hmm. you know i mean that's that's what they put out it's what they say um they're adopting a battle rifle because someday we may fight china i um, i mean it just it, nothing they say or do is making any sense and that is very scary um, very very scary but are we headed towards a depression and i think i think definitely so if the world economic order is right now in a very critical state because one of the big energy suppliers to Europe is at war with another European at least Eastern European country and now we've applied all these feel-good sanctions and all the rest of this rather than trying to find whatever solution that can be found there and face it there's, there will be a solution, but I don't think anybody's going to be happy with it. Ukrainians are going to have to... The Ukraine is going to have to give up territory. The Russians aren't going to get as much as they want. The Europeans aren't going to like the fact that aggression has, you know, f- has basically worked. Um, and, and it goes on and on and on. I mean, nobody is going to... This is a situation where nobody is going to come out a winner... Um, I, I suppose you could say well Russia has more territory than it has before but the amount of casualties and the hit to their international prestige, the the hit to their international trading and everything else is just not worth the territory they're gaining and if you want if you want to get a, a sense of this, realize a couple things Russia is the largest country in the world. I mean, they don't need ukrainian national uh, natural resources they don't need them they have plenty of their own look at the map look how giant it is look at the the ground they've gained in ukraine and put that against the totality of russia and it's it's just tiny it's not the juice was not worth the squeeze so but this could throw the world into a depression And our lives could economically and the quality of life could change very drastically. Uh, Look look how quality of life has changed with gas prices. I can remember in the throes of the Obama days where there was a war on energy too. Gee, Biden, that, that creep Biden seems to be involved in a war on energy. And I don't understand why but i can remember gas well over 4 dollars a gallon when during the obama years i remember one time it was hovering around 4 dollars per gallon and we all raced down to the gas station one day because gas was you know it went down to like 3.19 a gallon and we all went down there and filled up you know because the normal price was about 3.40 3.50 something like that and for a very short period of time it it uh, dipped and then I can remember, just a few years ago, remembering that, thinking, "Man, I'm paying 2.25 a gallon." I remember I used to, for a dollar more a gallon, we ran down to the gas station because that's how bad it was then. But a couple of years ago, we were energy independent. Nowadays, um, you know, we're not, and we're paying just through the nose. And you know, that that's the kind of thing that will crush an economy when. And it's also a a horrible thing to crush on to people who don't make a lot of money, Um, you know. Doubling gas, doubling energy prices, gasoline in particular, is just horrific on a person who's making less than, say, fifty thousand dollars a year. So uh, it's we we are in very very dire conditions, and uh, you know. It almost looks like the firearms thing of, you know, yeah, you can go out, cars, first cars were in short supply, now gas is, you know, not very attainable. Not that there's that big of a shortage, but the price is way so high that people can't afford to buy it. It's like when ammo was, you know, for a case of nine millimeter was up to 700 bucks, you know, then people just couldn't afford to do it. So they just, everybody just kind of froze in place well we can't freeze in place now so uh... we have to get around so they're killing they're killing the economy they're killing our wealth they're killing our hard work by their capricious foolhardy and and frankly you know malfeasant it's government malpractice is what it is and so these people who've done all this They actually expect us to believe them, you know, this this is kind of like, well, just, you know, tell me a few lies. They tell us the 2020 election was, was a fair election. Donald Trump legitimately lost. Anybody who speaks out and says, hey, you know, uh, I'm not sure about this, they're accused of being going along with the big lie. To me, the big lie is perpetrated by big liars who say that it was a fair and honest election. Here's how you know it was not. Number one, nobody, there was no real enthusiasm for Biden. So he did not get the most votes in history. Number two, if people can fake currency, they sure as heck can fake ballots. I mean, they sure as heck can fake ballots. The other thing is, even with all, and if you mention the company that has the electronic voting machines, I guess they sue you or something. But If you with all of these electronic voting and and all the rest of this the the you know the advances that have been made in in the ballot you know you can have the punch ballots and all this isn't it odd isn't it very odd that every time there's a recount the number is always different now the result might be the same maybe the same person wins but the numbers of the votes are always different and it's usually not a tremendous percentage but it's a percentage nonetheless you would think that if these voting machines were so good if these push ballots and all these other ways of voting were so good uh, you know we have machines even a a ballot that's filled out by hand where you got to mark the square you know they don't have individuals counting those they put them into machines that read them with all of this machinery which theoretically can't make a mistake why are the numbers different why are the numbers always different when they do a re- so that's just one reason we know they lie about the 2020 election and the the other reason is they were like oh well, okay, election's over nothing more to see here they wouldn't even countenance the fact that yeah some people have a legitimate concern even if it's misplaced they have a legitimate concern that this was not a fair election. So, you know, hey, we, we're kind of looking at that. The other thing, the other lie they tell us, uh, the gas prices are all due to Russia because somehow we don't buy any oil from Russia and somehow if we were energy independent, we wouldn't need any foreign oil. Um, but somehow that's causing the gas prices, even though the gas prices started spiking the minute Biden took office and started canceling pipelines and doing all the rest of the malfeasant and, frankly, almost economic sabotage that's been taking place. He's been sabotaging the energy industry. You know, it's just like, it's just like if, if Nazi Germany had landed a bunch of saboteurs on the coast. You know, they climb out of their U-boat and they, they, uh, they wander inland and start blowing up energy plants it's the same result you know sabotage is sabotage and uh, the current policies are sabotage here's another, uh, here's another one they told us hey inflation is transitory you know remember inflation is oh, this is transitory it's not gonna be there they knew anybody with a brain could figure it out but they knew because they had much more data than the rest of us that this was going to happen, and it was not going to be transitory and go away. Why would you tell a bold-faced lie like that? Why would you tell that? And the answer is because they don't care. They're the same people who told us, oh, this was the best one. Remember it was uncovered that they had these these drug, the drug abuser kits that they were handing out so that people could ab- abuse drugs safely. I guess that's the only reason. But remember they had clean needles and syringes and and all the rest of it and they put crack pipes in there. You know, and they they said no, we don't we're not giving away free crack pipes. No, we're not doing that. And so somebody got a hold of one of these kits and lo and behold there's, you know, there's all this crack pipey stuff in there. And then they came out and said, "Well, the kits contain stems and they contain mouthpieces and there is a wire basket, but they're not all assembled." So, you know, these are just pieces we're giving for safe smoking kits. Hey, they did not give this stuff. It's not like people get little balls of tobacco and put them into pipes. I mean, it's clearly designed to be assembled into a crack pipe. Yet they swore and they ridiculed people who said they were giving away crack pipes. They also lied about, remember at the the border, people who are breaking the law entering the country illegally got separated from their children they were going to give $250,000 apiece to these, these people who'd been separated from their children while they were breaking the law and Biden came out and said no that's a stupid idea we'd never do it and then literally two weeks later he came out oh yeah we're going to try to do that these people were separated from their children it's like it's crazy they tell complete freaking lies to cover up the government malpractice that they're doing you know giving away free crack pipes and then lying about it and and I guess they use some sort of you know liberal logic that well until you put crack in it it's not a crack pipe <laughs> i mean i i suppose there's there's some sort of twisted you know mentally deficient truth in that that it's not a crack pipe till there's crack in it. But when you give somebody when you give if if that were the case, then they have nothing to say about quote ghost guns because it's not a gun until I put a cartridge in it. So if I have an 80% receiver, that's just a hunk of metal and I can buy an upper, that's not controlled. I can buy a bolt carrier group, I can buy all the rest of this and even after I assemble it it's really not a gun until I put a cartridge in it because a gun has to have cartridges to function right so um, you know their their logic is completely screwy and you know they're just they're absolutely lying to us right to our faces and at first it was Jen sucky, and then it was this whatever this human John Pierre whatever you know this this <clears throat> this Haitian immigrant who can't <laughs> just always shuffling through a binder. Yeah, she's on her job. <laughs> That's also awesome. another lie they're telling us. And the media is complicit in this. They tell us, "Well, Russia's losing in the Ukraine. Uh oh, they're done, man. They're they're fa-. How many stories have you seen where, "Oh, Russia's done." Well, they're not done. It seems that city after city is falling. Now, granted it's not the blitzkrieg that they would have liked to have had and granted it's it's an ugly messy kind of war of attrition but they haven't even picked up on the biggest the biggest thing when the war in Ukraine started um, the Russians tried to do some they underestimated the Ukrainian armed forces and some of the equipment they had, which is odd because most of it was Russian or Soviet equipment. So it's kind of odd they would they would uh, underestimate it, but they did. Hey, they tried to seize the Kiev airport. That didn't work. They tried to do dynamic maneuver and capture Kiev and Kharkiv. That didn't Kharkiv or whatever. Kharkov, they used to call it, I think. None of that worked so what they did was they've pulled back they've gone into the areas where they have had success and now on a very narrow front they're massing their firepower which they didn't do before and they've now taken Mariupol and and some of these other cities and you know the fact of the matter is they're gaining they're gaining ground wherever they want because on a very narrow front they're focusing a lot of fires and they're hitting what they need to hit you know it's the very basic military equation intelligence drives fires which are like indirect fires and close air support and that enables maneuver you know um, it's been that way since like World War One so um, you know it's a very very simple equation that's what they're doing and you know they're not losing that's the whole point everybody wants to tell us they're losing they're not losing. The people who are losing are the Ukrainians. They are losing. It's unbelievable the lies they they tell us. They also tell us that this Uvalde shooting, you know, it was a gun problem. Then they'll kind of they will divert. Oh, it was a mental health problem. But the biggest problem that's coming up that nobody is really that people mention it and talk around it, but. Police cowardice is the problem. Cops who, who like wearing all this tack gear and their helmets and you know carrying all the expensive equipment and weapons, they were too wimpy, they were too afraid, they were too cowardly to go into that school and stop that guy. I mean, this is really cowardice is inexcusable cowardice is a bigger problem cuz you can't control anything if you essentially have cowardice ring rampant and you know they even they even restrained a cop one one of the sheriff's deputies poor guy his wife was a teacher in the school she called him and said hey i've been shot he went down there saw they were doing nothing wanted to go in there and what did they do they they basically restrained him, took his gun away, and got him away from the deal. And, of course, she did not survive. There was the one mother who basically called her kids and said, where are you? Hey, we're in classroom, whatever. She, she went around the barricade, ran into the school, grabbed them, went out the back of the school, you know. An unarmed mother could go in there and save her kids. And all these armed police didn't do squat. They're the ones who should be put in jail. They should be put in jail. As it was, the shooter was killed by a Border Patrol guy who borrowed a shotgun from his barber. I mean, is that what we're paying for? Is that is that what we're paying for in law enforcement? Even my local law enforcement, which I, I think they actually do a pretty good job, but we haven't had anything like that. You know, but I see these guys going, you know, sometimes they go into a store or... I see you see them on the deal. Hey, they're wearing the plate carrier and all this kind of stuff. They look a lot more tactical. But I always wonder, hey, can these guys actually put their cleats on and get on the field and and do something? Or is this just all show? Are they all show and no go? It, It goes down to that that old military saying, you know, when you see these, you know, well equipped and, you know, troops, it's like they sure are pretty, but can they fight? and uh, i don't know these guys can fight i don't know if our law enforcement has got a culture where you go in now if they had a bunch of ex-military guys on there those guys probably would have just said hey now the one thing that most military guys get they have this sense of timing like now is the time to get in there and solve this you know they it's, they don't want to sit there and say, let's just set up a perimeter and listen to the gunshots inside the school. They mo- almost always will say, somebody will say, right now we have the resources, we have the guys, we have enough intel to go in, we know what's going on, let's do it. And uh, that's the big lesson learned. That's what people should, should go in. On the good side and bad side, uh, the bad side is... The word is laid. I guess the Senate has just approved this, the gun control sellout, which is not a catastrophe because it doesn't really give up much, if anything. Um, but it's one of those feel good bills. And it's a shame that, you know, all those Republicans, man, they, they, they the rhinos kill the Republican Party. And you don't know who these guys are until something like this comes up. This Cornyn guy, a senator from Texas of all places where you think he'd be squared away but Senator Cornyn he was one of the chief architects behind this sellout and we shouldn't forget that Um, but he'll be a party apparatchik and he'll, he'll, he'll get rewarded for it in some way, shape or form the better news is the Supreme Court basically punched the state of New York right in the face over their totally unconstitutional gun control posture of as far as you know issuing concealed carry permits now rather than saying well okay this is what the court said and this is what what it uh, should be this is a clear case of the second amendment being interpreted by constitutionalists which is what the court is designed to do and it it benefits people who are living in terror in cities like new york where only the hoodlums only the police or hoodlums have guns or you know legal permits are to a very very small privileged class of people if you're an ordinary person regardless of race creed color ethnic origin or anything else if you're just an ordinary person in new york you are a victim you've been made a victim by the state and uh rather than understanding that that's changed that horribly that the, the governor of new york the one that replaced Como, what's her name hokul or hochul or something she looks like she's out of a freaking scream movie i mean it's this plastic surgery botox Horrible creature, and they're 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 threatening. Well, we'll just go back to the leg. We'll hold a special legislative. Blah blah, blah 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 blah. You know, they're creatures, and they can't accept the Constitution. Why are they in public office? They can't accept the basic Constitution. However, they will try to do this Roe v. Wade thing as saying, "Well, that violates a woman's constitutional rights," when. Nothing about abortion is even in the Constitution. So, you know, the the tenuous legal arguments they've made um, really have been refuted, and and everybody understands that the 1973 decision was a bad decision. But this this thing is horrible. They 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 cannot recognize the elements of the U.S. Constitution vis-a-vis the Bill of Rights. They just can't do it. So, But, you know, in a lot of plates, places, um, you know, is it going to change things in New York? Probably not. Is it going to change things in any other super deep blue state? No. But there are some purple states where, you know, this is just what we needed to kind of get over the finish line and maybe get something like constitutional carry. About half the states, I think it's over half the states, isn't it? 26 states have constitutional carry we could add another 10 or 12 states to that that would that would be nice that would be very nice but that's about the biggest that's the biggest stuff to talk about i mean it's huge economically where are we going you know i am afraid the gun control debate and a few other things if we're all living in in the 1930s again that's probably not going to be a uh a topic that that's going to garner most of our attention if we don't have fuel to get to work and we can't afford to buy food. And you know what? There are young. I, you know, our our society is a lot weaker now than it was in the 1930s. 1930s, most people lived in a stable family unit. Nowadays, nowadays we got a lot of single moms out there. Single moms who what, what choice are we going to make, food or fuel? And if you can't get to work, if you don't have money, if you don't get to work and make money, you can't afford to buy food. Yet, if you don't have food for your children, you can't afford to buy. If you don't buy food for your children, you might not be able to buy fuel to get to work to make more money. I mean, it's terrible, terrible the position that we're putting people in. And what is joe biden's <laughs> solution a three-month suspension of the federal gas tax which is a whopping 18 cents a gallon that he'll save people and they've done the math on that it saves maybe the average person about 10 bucks every two weeks maybe maybe 10 to 20 dollars a month and that's that's not an that won't even buy you a fast food meal for three people it's crazy what helps people is when gas is two dollars a gallon and not five dollars a gallon or seven dollars a gallon and they're crazy Uh, they, they absolutely crazy now you know even the democrats see problems and that's why they're saying well maybe joe doesn't need to run in for in 2024 First of all, I don't know, even know if he's going to be—he—he's um, declined so precipitously from 2020 that I don't—I don't know, and I don't think that he's—he's going to be in any shape to run in 2024 if he's even still alive. You got to remember, he's at the upper edge of life expectancy for a male, and uh, you know he isn't going to be around forever. There's no way he's going to complete a second term. So um, it just just looking at the guy, I mean, the guy looks like he's, you know, death warmed over now. I mean, he's going to look terrible in, uh, in, in 2024, and I don't think he'll make it. So, you know, Harris, the one they're trying to rehabilitate, but nobody's really happy with. Harris may be the future. Huh. Well, we got all that out of the way. So, we can go to my favorite part of the podcast, which is questions and answers. And so, here's my first question. What knives do you use in the outdoors? Okay, I have to tell you, I'm not a really good knife guy. I mean, I'm not, not really good at all. Uh, to me, the best knife I've ever used in the outdoors was the Camellius copy of the K-Bar. And... Uh, that's back when i was in the the army when it was the real army and you could actually carry a knife on your web gear because we needed them we we i was an infantryman we needed them and uh not so much for combat but for a lot of when you're out on maneuvers there's a lot of times when you're cutting you know branches for camouflage or you're opening cutting open ration boxes cutting open um other things um you know there's a lot of stuff that you have to do that that can require a knife. And we used to carry them, and uh, then the PC army took over, and and that was all no good anymore. So, you know, we stopped doing that. But the uh, that was a great knife. The uh, Aviator knife was a great knife. Any fixed blade knife is really pretty good, and you can actually get some very attractively priced ones. I mean, for I'm sure they're all made in China, and I'm sure they're all made out of shit steel you know um but you know the deal is you can get a serviceable knife for 20 bucks or less um if you want to spend a lot more money you can get a lot better quality steel and other things but those were all those were really good those were really good knives um you know you can get uh, you go into any kind of outdoor store even a walmart and you can, you can get a good selection of knives uh, for a folding knife, of course, it has to be a a lock blade. That's just that's just common sense. You know, the old pocket knives we used to have is back in the day. Uh, those those really aren't any good. You really need something that where the blade locks. So those are those are all really good. Um, you know, I I would say one of the things I'm not a real fan of are multi-tools because they don't seem to be really good at anything they're just sort of almost good <laughs> but you know hey they are what they are and and a lot of times they're convenient to have because if you're carrying it around like on my little my little patch of ground that i have in the country um you know you don't want to walk back because you you need two or three different tools walking back and forth to the uh um you know a little outbuilding where stuff is is just not a not a great plan it takes a lot of time and you know you're walking around there you don't really know what's you see something that needs to be fixed or something that needs to be adjusted and if you've got that you've got that multi-tool you've got at least something to work with because a lot of times these things are just targets of opportunity so that's what i use in the outdoors nothing special or particularly high speed uh i do like machetes you know machetes always come in handy so and they're actually pretty cheap get a get a good sharpener but yeah that's that's kind of how i am um so those are the knives i use okay another question and we've talked about this so I'll, whoever asked this i know who it was but whoever asked this doesn't listen very often to the podcast do you handle black powder cartridges yes i do um it's, it's pretty easy, um, you know, you prime it just like a regular, you can use regular primers, you prime the cartridge case, and what you do is you fill it with the correct granulation of black powder, so that when you seat the bullet, there's really no air space, and it works just fine. Um, for most applications, um, 2F, or 3f black powder is fine um i do have a good good deal i'm on there's a reloading discord i'm on and it's 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 basically a bunch of curmudgeons but one of the funnier things was i was uh in a in a gun store and i saw these you know empty cart you know the, the the box of empty empty brass you know factory brass and it was for 3230 and I go 3230 there's no there is no such thing well I it, and it's the, it's the factory label that says 3230 so I flipped it around back and it's actually 3220 so I took a picture of the front and the back of the label and sent it in and said hey hey check this out no wonder these didn't sell Oh those guys were just like whoa, whoa you know no no real reaction I thought it was actually kinda of funny I actually even said that maybe 3230 is the plus P version of 3220 I don't know (laughs) but it's it that's why they didn't get bought I'm sure somebody looked at that and said well I have a 3220 not a 3230 because there is you know there's 2520 there's 32 3220 um, you know they probably thought it was some obtuse cartridge when in actuality it was just mislabeled and it just sat there and even the gun shop owner didn't pick up on it so that was pretty weird. So yes, I do. Uh, i sit thinking there's. I make my own black powder lube. You can get the SPG lube. That's probably the best thing to do. I do my own just because I don't know. I just do my own. So uh, the SPG lube is really good. I'm sure there's there's other commercial things out there. I use olive oil and beeswax. Make my own and. Uh, yeah, other than that though, it's it's really just like a regular cartridge. Uh, you do want to have a crimp uh, to keep that bullet from moving um, in the cartridge case, and I shoot predominantly predominantly single shots, but I do have one repeater, um, a 73 Winchester, a vintage 73 Winchester, that will take only black powder only. So those those have to be made so that they will you know operate in the action so i actually even cast my own bullets for those i use a lee oh god it's 314 uh, mold that's i think 90 or 100 grains can't remember so yes i do do that okay what is a japanese lewis gun okay uh, i know about this because i actually handled pieces of one Uh, a friend of mine his father was career military and they lived in the Philippines for a short period of time his father was an advisor or something to the Philippine army and uh, he would and and this was in the 1960s so my friend would go and he found caves and things where Japanese soldiers had, had hidden during the you know, campaign for the Philippines, which had been twenty some years before, and he he came out and he had three or four of these uh, Lewis gun magazines, and and when he showed them to us, this is some years later, we're like, wow, the Japanese, what what's a Lewis gun deal? Did they have British Lewis gun? I mean, nobody knew, but as it turns out, the Japanese actually had an aircraft. Um, They actually adopted the Lewis gun as an aircraft machine gun in the 1930s and it was actually in 303 British. They call it 7.7 rimmed Japanese and I actually got another question about that. Um, But it was the type 32 for I think 1932 machine gun and it differed. It was mechanically everything was just like a Lewis gun except it had a spade grip on the back so you could use it in an airplane. And it had a, um, it didn't have a buttstock. It had a spade grip, and it didn't have that funny air inductor shroud that a lot of people don't think worked on the Lewis gun anyway. So uh, it didn't have that. So it, it looked, it looks a little different than a Lewis gun. If you put that next to a British Lewis gun, you see it's a little different. There were aircraft versions of the Lewis gun though that look quite a bit like this that the British used. That's probably what they copied. I'm sure that, and how did these things wind up in caves and everything, I'm sure that as the campaign unfolded, anything any weapon that could be used was was utilized, and if the plane's not flying anymore, they took the guns off it and used them in some sort of a ground roll, some way, shape, or form, and they were hiding in these caves, and that's where these empty uh, drums wound up. So yes, Japanese did use the Lewis gun as an aircraft machine gun in World War II, and there are still Bits and pieces of them floating around, I guess. Next question is related to that. Did the Japanese have two different 7.7 cartridges in World War II? The answer is yes. They had. A, they, they essentially had the 303 British that they used in the, the their in in the Japanese version Type 32 machine gun. They called it 7.7 Japanese rimmed, but it was actually interchangeable with 303 British. Then they had a rimless. A different 7.7 cartridge that they developed later in the war, and they also used that in some different machine guns and uh, also some rifles. It was kind of a uh, more of an equivalent of the 30-06. So there you go. So they did have to. I'm sure that that <laughs> led to somewhere at some point. I'm sure that led to endless confusion. Okay if you had to equip a world war one era army with small arms but they can't be all from the same country what would you choose well if they all had to be from different countries and so we, we don't really care about calibers at this point no one would ever do this but this is kind of fun to think about. Uh, my first choice would be I'd go with P 13 rifles. That was the British, you know, it wasn't really experimental. It was sort of limited production in 276 British or whatever. Um, they scrapped the idea when World War I broke out because they didn't want to switch calibers and they were still developing the 276. But it was there, so I'd grab that. I'd grab the BAR as my squad automatic weapon and since i can't have anything from britain or america i guess i would have a luger as a pistol because i could buy if i was a non-belligerent country i could buy them from switzerland they had lugers and so and and even then other countries could probably have produced them if they had wanted to so that's what i would that would be one choice another which i think would actually be a better choice is I would go with either a 6.5mm Swedish or a 7mm Mauser rifle uh, from Spain I'd go with a Lewis gun as my you know my light machine gun squad automatic weapon light machine gun and then I would choose something really off the deal because I'm assuming this would be for a European country so you wouldn't want a 45 ACP but a Colt 1903 in 32 acp there's plenty of ammo for it it's an extremely well made outstanding pistol and 32 while it is light they were used hundreds of thousands of them were used in world war one so you really wouldn't be that off base having it Um, you could say the later model that was in 380 would be a better choice yeah maybe so but you know that would be the uh that'd be the way i would go with all that Um, and of course the second half of that same question for World War II and I kind of put that as stuff that was available at the beginning of the war because it's just too easy to say oh I take the STG-44 and nothing else really matters so I would take the M1 rifle the PPSH-41 then the Browning High Power and then also maybe the I don't know. I guess the one I'm looking for is the ZB28, which was the uh, the original version of the Bren gun, the Czech uh, version of the of the Bren gun. So that's that's probably what I would would choose for World War II. Understanding that nobody would ever do any of this, but those are kind of some cool guns you put together. You know, to my mind, the the only competitor to the M1 would be the SVT. And the M1 hits now if you do go with the SVT you can't go with a PPSH so therefore I'd probably go I probably go with the Sten but if you do that then you can you know is the Browning high power a British or Canadian yeah that that's kind of iffy you could go with a um, you could go with you know some other kind of of deal um, maybe a French 1935 Maybe that, maybe something like that, for a pistol, and then go for a B.A.R. as your uh, as your squad automatic weapon. You know, so yeah, that would be kind of interesting. It would be it would be a horrible nightmare mishmash of weapons, but individually they'd be very good. Uh, another weapon that would be very good would be the 6.5 Nambu light machine gun. That would be excellent. You know, but I, if you're really kind of mixing allied and axis weapons um you know if you really wanted to take what, are, what were the ultimate weapons just from the war and i think you would have to this is this is going to be very i would say you have to go with the stg-44 as the the assault rifle because that's the most advanced um you go with the 6.5 nambu as your squad automatic weapon I would actually go with a 1911a1 as a pistol yeah that that would be that would be really good and I would say this would probably violate but I'd also say that you know if you had the M1 slash M2 carbine while it has a lot of the attributes of the STG in some ways um, capacity-wise and all that. It would be a, a much better weapon for for people to use. So maybe, maybe you know, you would have a carbine, a submachine gun, an assault rifle, and a light machine gun. Who knows? That'd be kind of interesting. Um, there are a lot of other weapons, too, that could fit into all that. So those those would be the ones that I would actually think are pretty cool. Some other ones that are honorable mention would be beretta 1934 because it it can be concealable it's 380 Uh, it can still be used as a duty sidearm they're very cool guns I think maybe that is the coolest beretta of all time followed closely by the 92 series Uh, but I really like the 1934 it is a very very cool little gun so I would say that those would be honorable mention uh, certainly the uh, Owen submachine gun would be honorable mention. That was a great weapon. Uh, kind of staying away from the general purpose machine guns because that's that's really the MG42 is probably the best one of those. Yeah, there are a lot of things. You could go with the Tokarev pistol. That's an excellent pistol. Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff. So I'm going to interrupt this uh, for just a moment Uh, just over my phone came the alert that the Supreme Court has struck down Roe v. Wade and that individual states can ban abortion so I'm not into the abortion debate that's that's a philosophical debate for another time another place that will create trouble this is going to create some trouble and I think while the leak of the uh, draft was strategic in order to kind of socialize the idea with the masses uh, there's going to be some trouble over this so i would be very careful today where you go be very careful Uh, i don't put any political bumper stickers on my car i don't put any nra stuff on as much as i like seeing them on other people's cars I believe that, you know, sometimes that could be a magnet. So if you have a pro-life message bumper sticker or something of that kind of deal, um, today would be a good day not to be flashing that around. And uh, taking it off might be the best thing. And and you can restore it at some point in the future when sanity is returned. But I certainly would be very careful the rest of today and this weekend because you don't know what's going to happen there are some very bad actors out there when it comes to this Um, you saw it there you've seen it and now that it's official uh, this may be the spark that ignites the uh, powder keg so we'll see we'll see everybody hopes not but we'll see but yes they have they have overturned it according to this you know, news flash and that is going to be a very, very big deal. So if I could give any advice to anyone, it would be that you can and should kind of limit your movements. Don't expose yourself out in public. Um, depending on, you know, do an assessment. If, if it's not a big deal where you live, where my little patch of ground is, it's not a big deal life just was going to go on but i think the closer to a metropolitan area you are the greater the risk so be prepared that you might have to hold up for the rest of the weekend or even a couple days next week until this uh, calms down all right let's return for our last question what is the most interesting thing you've seen lately in firearms oh wow um well i can tell you the the coolest thing i've seen is uh i got to examine in the flesh a colt anaconda uh absolutely beautiful handgun um, this one had the eight inch barrel i mean it is just it is just gorgeous if you like the way colt the python, the diamondback, and the anaconda look that it's really beautiful really a nice gun so I've seen that and I really uh, really like it and I think it's an excellent value they they want money for it but compared to everything else I think it's it's actually a very reasonable price for what you're getting you know you're getting really a world-class gun and you know they're not gonna make these forever so they're gonna be a collector's item and a great investment the uncoolest thing i've seen it's interesting but it was uncool it was actually in the same shop i saw a chiapa i forget what they called it but it's an 1886 winchester style clone is what it is and it had a uh, picatinny rail up on top just forward of the receiver it had uh some sort of a muzzle, integral muzzle brake, and of course the thing was just you know the the receiver was that kind of cheesy Italian color case hardening. Um, I looked at it and said, man, just turn that out in blue steel as a regular 1886. Forget all the upgrades. You don't need the picatinny rail. That just that wrecks a lever action. Same thing with the. Uh, it was 4570 also, and the uh, integral brake. Face it it's just not going to help you very much. I assume this was cobbled together from their existing lineup to compete with the Marlin uh, you know what are the the Alaskan Guide guns type of deal but it falls really short it it's the wrong styling with the wrong add-ons now if they'd turned it all out hard chromed or something then maybe it would have come out a little better but it it just looked it just looks silly. As a very, very poor um, mashup of old and new. So I wasn't very impressed with that at all. But the Anaconda is quite a gun. The Colt Anaconda is quite a gun. And uh, if you want a 44 Magnum, that would be a great one to have. Um, you know, the, the 44 Magnum is... Uh, nobody really wants to admit it, but as a pistol cartridge, it's kind of, I think, on the decline. I I think it's no longer the world's the most powerful handgun in the world. Hasn't been for decades and decades, if it ever even genuinely was. Um, it's, you know, it's just... It's one of those things that everybody likes and everybody thinks is cool, but... Um, it, it's kind of... I call it the Corvette of handguns, you know? It's like everybody likes it, thinks it's cool, but... When it comes to practically owning and carrying one nobody really wants to do it so um it's it's very interesting that way i would uh i would not be um surprised if if the anaconda goes away in a couple of years and i think as long as they can sell them the new python is going to stay and a three-inch barrel new python what a cool gun that is i mean very very cool I like that. I just wish they would bring back the 38 plus P rated uh, back. and then we would have really what a collection that would be. What a collection that would be. But anyway that's it for this edition of Old School Guns the podcast that tells you like it is and as always you can email me at kbmakel at aol.com that is kbmakel at aol.com And until next time, this is Old School Guns, out.